Hello, welcome to TanakhStudy.com. I'm Yael Ziegler, and we are in the fifth part of our Va'ira Parsha series. Today we're going to begin with Makat Svardea. Makat Svardea begins in Perak Zayin Pasuk Kavav, Vayomer Adunai El Moshe, Bo El Paro, Ve'amartai Lav, Ko Amar Adunai, Shalach Et Ami, Diavduni. God said to Moshe, Come to Paro and say to him, So says God, Send my people so that they should serve me. Um, now this is certainly the something that we've heard before. We're going to hear it again. God opens the plague by sending a message through Moshe to Paro that he should send Amisrael out of Egypt so that they can serve God. What is important to note here is that uh, we've already noted that that uh, common division of the plague series is to divide it into three parts of three, what we call the Tzach Adash Ba'acha, and then the, the, the tenth plague stand on, stands on its own, that is Makat Bechorot. This is the common division of Rabbi Yehuda. We talk about it a lot at the Seder, um, at the Pesach Seder. It appears frequently in different Midrashim. What is important to note for our purposes is that the second plague of each of these three uh, uh, series of three plagues, that is Svardea and Dever and Arbe, right? Frogs and the plague of the death of the animals and the locusts, they each open with the words Bo El Paro, come into Paro. It seems to be, that's of course Parshat Bo, Parshat Bo, which opens with the plague of locusts. That's why it's called Parshat Bo, because it opens with these words, Bo El Paro. But these words are common for every second plague of the series. And it seems to be that if the first plague, Moshe comes and threatens Paro on the banks of the Nile, which is one source of Paro's greatness, one source of his prosperity, the second plague threatens Paro in another place that is associated with his greatness and his prosperity, and that is inside his palace, in his home. At the end of the previous plague, at the end of the plague of, da- of Dam, what we saw was Vayifen Paro Vayavo El Beito. Paro turned around and he went into his house, and now we have God telling Moshe, Bo El Paro, come into Paro. It seems that Moshe actually goes into his palace, goes into Paro's personal space. And of course, his palace is, as I said, one of the symbols of his greatness, one of the symbols of his of his wealth, of his well-being, of his prosperity. Uh, one of the things that I, I believe we've noted in, in past classes is that the very word Paro actually, of course, is not the personal name of the king, but it's rather a, uh, a word that reflects Two Egyptian words, par and o. Par means great, o means house. In fact, par-o is a reference to the palace, the great house. It eventually became a, uh, a term that was used to describe the king, but that's, of course, not his personal name. We talk about par-o necho or par-o shishak. That's his personal name. The Pharaoh, the Paro, is the one who sits in the great house. And so it's particularly significant that Moshe comes into Paro's house, into his palace, in order to threaten him, in order to, uh, in order to challenge his greatness. And here in Pasuk Kavzayin, uh, we have God telling Moshe to go tell Paro 
about the nature of the second plague that is going to come upon him if he refuses to send the people out. And if you refuse to send, I am going to plague all of your borders with frogs. This is a much more sweeping plague. The blood, of course, was somehow concentrated in the water sources in the Nile. Maybe it splashed a little bit on the Eitzim and the Avanim, the trees and the stones. We had, of course, the Midrash, which said that it, it affected all of the waters in people's cups as well. But the Tzfarveim, these, uh, these, these uh, animals, are, of course, much more widespread and they are in motion, right? They're constantly moving. And we're going to see what, when they're described in the next verse, how ubiquitous they are. And the Nile will become, uh, will multiply with these and they will come up and they will come into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed, right? So there's a sense of encroaching, um, of encroaching upon Paro. First they come into his house, then they come into his bedroom, and then they actually come onto his bed. And now we turn and we see that they're going to come not just to Paro, but to all of Egypt, and into the house of your servants, and also onto your nation, and also into your ovens and into your kneading bowls or some sort of bowls for preparing food. Right, So we have actually here several levels in which this plague is said to come upon uh, Egypt. One, of course, is it's going to encroach personally into Paro's personal space. He can't get away from his people as he could in the plague of blood, but it also is going to come onto his servants, we already saw his servants uh, in the previous parak. We saw that these servants were, um, were, were, were present when Moshe brought the plague upon the Nile. We saw that in, we saw that in Parak Zion Pasuk Kaf, where we were told that Moshe, um, that the, the water was struck. We also saw that Aharon threw his staff down, uh, his, his, his staff that turned into a tanin. The Avadim here, the, the servants of Pharaoh, are important players in the story, and therefore also this plague is said to come upon the Avadecha, but also the Amecha, also on his people. And of course, it is a question why he's at all concerned with his people. Um, the Nitziv, for example, tries to resolve this question, why Paro should care. As we saw in the previous story, it doesn't seem that he really particularly cares about his people, whether or not they're suffering from the blood. And so the Nitziv, for example, suggests that the Amecha here refer to Paro's soldiers, and that without his soldiers being active, of course, he loses some of his power. There's no real indication that that is what's being referred to. I will say one other thing, though, and that is that the, um, the Am of Paro, they are important players in the story. Paro enlisted them in Perak Aleph when he turned to his Vayomer El Amo. He turned to his people and he said, Am Bnei Yisrael, they are very threatening. They are Rav Menu. And of course, later on in that same first chapter, Vayitzav Paro Lechol Amo, Paro commanded all of his people saying that they should throw all of the boys 
into the Nile. And so it shouldn't surprise us that they're being punished as well. I will say one other thing about Paro, his nation, Amo, and his Avadim, and that is that there's a bit of tension in the story, or a tremendous amount of tension in the story, as to whether or not Am Yisrael falls into the category of Avdei Paro and Amo Shal Paro. Are they also the servants of Paro and the nation of Paro? And what God, I think, keeps coming to try to tell Paro is that it's Ami B'nai Israel, it's my people B'nai Israel, they should come via Vduni and they should serve me and not you. And by enslaving my people, you have actually picked a battle with God who who regards Am Yisrael as his Am and his Avadim. And therefore, perhaps this play comes to distinguish between Paro's perception that Am Yisrael are also part of his people and his servants. And God comes and says, no, no, no. We're going to distinguish between uh, your servants and your people and my servants and my people. In any case, here we go on. Again, those three parts. And uh, upon you and upon your people and upon your servants, the, um, the, the, the Tzfardaim are going to rise. Um, I will say one, one thing about these Tzfardaim, I, I keep sort of avoiding translating the word Tzfardea. Um, the, commonly, we regard this plague as the plague of frogs. That's the word Tzfardea in modern Hebrew means frogs. We're not entirely certain that the word here means frogs. Um, there is a, a bit of debate about this. Uh, Rabbeinu Hananel, uh, the Abarbanel, and the Ibn Ezra also brings this possibility, suggests that perhaps here we're talking about a more dangerous amphibious creature, one that can come out of the Nile onto dry land, and that is not frogs, but rather crocodiles. Now, um, again, you know, it's a bit difficult to be certain here. One, uh, one, one uh, I think, piece of evidence is drawn from Tihilim Ayin Chet, from that psalm in um, in Mizmore Tihilim, which describes the, the plagues. And there we're told that the Tzfardea comes, Vatashchitim, and they destroy them. And there it seems as though the frogs are doing something which is life-threatening, uh, or the Tzfardea is doing something with this, which is life-threatening. Based on that, it seems that the Tzfardea is a life-threatening kind of animal, which frogs are not, but crocodiles are. Based on that, some of the Mifarshim do in fact suggest that these are crocodiles. However, the description of the Tzfardeim in Pasuk Kafchet, where they come in, they go onto the beds, they, they climb into the ovens, they go into the bowls for preparing food, that seems to suggest more frogs. Again, I can't really uh, say, say certainly what this plague is, but if it's frogs, it seems more an annoyance than a life-threatening plague, uh, in which case, really, the different mefarshim try to understand why, in fact, this plague is a plague at all. Perhaps it simply is um, is indicates that not every plague is meant to be life-threatening. Perhaps this is just a plague which is all-encompassing, right? The frogs, they're disgusting. They go into every place. They affect our, 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 they affect our touch. They affect our smell. They affect our hearing. They affect all of the senses. They affect our tastes, right? They're going into our food. There's something all-encompassing about it, and it's not necessarily life-threatening, but perhaps it's just repulsive. 
Um, one other point that I think is worth mentioning is that Professor Casuto notes that the Egyptians regarded it, the frog as having uh, some sort of symbolic uh, power over fertility. In fact, one of the goddesses of Egypt, Hecate, um, had was was uh, depicted as a woman's body with a frog's head. This goddess was actually said to protect the midwives who would wear a charm with a picture of Hecate on it in order to protect them and their charges. If so, in fact, it, it actually it makes sense that um, we would have this plague, which is intended to remind Paro of his attempt to control the fertility of Am Yisrael by uh, commanding the midwives to kill the children, in which case this, um, this, this plague, while not life-threatening necessarily, is certainly one which is midah keneged midah, which is measure for measure, which is meant to remind Paro that all of his decrees come to naught when he faces the power of God and when God determines to thwart Paro's plans. Okay, let's look at what happens here in Parakhet Pasuk Aleph when we have the actual implementation of this of this play. So God says to Moshe, say to Aaron, stretch out your hands with your staff upon the rivers and upon the Nile sources and upon the lakes and bring up this frog over the land of Egypt. This, of course, reminds us very much of the plague of, of uh, blood. Aaron, of course, is the one who brings it about. We discussed this a little bit in our last class. At the same time, this plague is a plague that comes out of the water. It's a Nile plague. It threatens the Egyptians with what they regard to be the source of their greatness and the source of their fertility. It threatens them that their own Nile can turn against them if God should so choose. And of course, we have this sense here that the Nile is issuing forth something which is meant to be repulsive. In fact, this is what happens. Aaron stretches out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the Tzfardea comes out and it covers the land of Egypt. The Tzfardea here is in singular form. That shouldn't trouble us. Oftentimes, the plagues are referred to in a collective manner. We have also the plague of Kinam, the lice or the louse, as opposed to Kinim in our next section. Pasuk Gimel, here come these magicians. Those magicians also did this with their magical implementations, with their magical uh, implements. Um, and they bring also the uh, frogs over the land of Egypt. But at this point, despite the fact that they exercise their power as well, Paro calls Moshe and Aaron and he says, Pray to God and let him take the frogs away from me and from my people, and I will send the people and they can uh, sacrifice to God. Uh, the fact that Paro calls immediately to Moshe and to Aaron, despite the fact that his magicians are capable of bringing about this plague, suggests that there is a limitation to their power 
And the Abarbanel suggests, uh, what he suggests is that the magicians can, can, can bring the plague. They can continue to bring the plague. Perhaps it's even an illusion. They pretend to bring the plague. But in fact, all they're doing is continuing that plague, which Moshe has already set in motion. But what they can't do is take away the plague. There's a certain amount of irony in that the magicians only intensify the plague upon their own people, but they certainly can't stop it. And at this point, for the first time in the story, Paro turns to Moshe and Aaron and begs them and also uh, seems to uh, give in here. And he says, fine, I'll let the people go. And at this point, Moshe seems to believe Paro. Vayomer Moshe Paro. And Moshe says to Paro, have glory over me. In other words, I'll give you the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to make this call. For when shall I pray to God for you and for your servants and for your people? to get rid of these Tzfardaim from you and from your house, they should just stay in the Ya'or. They should just stay in the Nile. You name a time. And again, I think that what Moshe is trying to accomplish here is that uh, he shows Paro that, in fact, it's not a natural waning of this, uh, of this arrival of the frogs, but that if Paro names a time, Moshe can daven to God, Moshe can daven to God, and then that time will be implemented. God will, will, will remove the frogs at the appointed time. Vayomer, and he said, Limachar, let it be for tomorrow. Vayomer, Kidvarcha liman teda ki ein kadunai Eloheinu. And Moshe responds, as you wish, or as you, according to your word, so that you should know that there is no one like God, our God. Once again, all these different levels, the, the frogs will recede from you and from your house and from your houses and from your servants and from your people. They should stay in the Nile, right? This is the second time that we've had this description. They should stay in the Nile. These amphibious creatures threaten to overturn the order of the world, and they no longer stay in their proper place. Okay, let's go on. Pasuk Chet Vayetzei Moshe Ve'aharon Me'im Paro Vayitzak Moshe El Adonai Advar Hatzfadaim Asher Sam Paro. Moshe and Aaron left Paro, and Moshe cried out to God about these Tzfardaim, which he had put for Paro, which he had uh, put against Paro. Vayas Adonai Kidvar Moshe Vayamutu Hatzfardaim Min Abatim Min Achaterot Umin Asadot. And God did what, according to the word of Moshe, perhaps the word of Moshe here is instead of a seven-day plague, it only becomes a one-day plague. And the Sfardaim die from the houses, from the courtyards, and also from the fields. And they piled them up into these great piles, and the land stank. The word tivash reminds us also of Previously, when Amisrael uh, was, when the slavery of Amisrael was being described in Parakei Pasuk Kaf Aleph, where Amisrael said, "Asher hivashten et rechenu paro," you've made us look uh, like we, we are disgusting, like, like we smell in the eyes of Paro. So uh, the the Egyptians had seen Amisrael in this repulsive way, and now the Egyptians have to experience 
the frogs in this repulsive way. That's part of their punishment. And Paro saw that there was relief. And he hardened his heart. And he did not listen to them just as God had said. And so here we have the first time in which Paro goes back on his word. We're going to see this several more times. Now we're going to turn to the, the next plague, the third plague, and that is the plague of Kimi. And God spoke to Moshe, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, and it will become lice in all of the land of Egypt. And they did this. Look at how Moshe and Aaron seem to work in perfect harmony. We have here this plural form. What is it that they do? Moshe speaks to Aharon, and then Aharon immediately begins to do that which Moshe had commanded him. And Aaron stretches out his hand with his staff. And he struck the dust of the land, and there was a louse on people, on, on humans, and on animals. All of the dust of the earth became lice in all of the land of Egypt. So note a few things. First of all, this plague comes like all the, of the third plagues in the series of three plus three plus three plagues. Third plagues are kinim, lice, shrin, um, boils. And Choshech, darkness, they all come without a warning. And all three of them are uh, plagues that are experienced on the body. Ba'adam uva it says here, on the person and on the animal. Uh, note also here that um, what we, the, the plague itself comes from the afar ha'aret, all of the dust of the earth turns into this lice. It's a bit difficult to understand the idea of this plague as well. Uh, we talked about that a little bit last time with the frogs. I will, uh, I mean, the, the Midrashim here struggle a bit. I will just mention one idea, and that is that this Afar Haaretz, uh, in my mind, recalls the uh, bracha that God gives to Avraham of the fertility and the uh, multiplication of his descendants. God says, Visamti et zaracha ke'afar ha'aretz. I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth. Of course, we know that, that that blessing begins to be realized at the beginning of our story, which is, of course, you know, Vene Yisrael Paru Vayishratu. They begin to multiply. And that's, of course, what threatens Paro. And what we see in this, uh, in this, in this plague is that that very, uh, that very aspect of Am Yisrael that threatens Paro and that begins the, the, the story of, of Paro's decrees in order to try to reduce the population of Am Yisrael, uh, that, that's what God sort of brings back upon Paro. There's something along the lines of, you were threatened by how, how my people multiply. I'll show you what, it, what, what kind of punishments I can bring against you by using this Afar Ha'aretz, by using this dust of the earth, to multiply all of these lice and bring it against you. It's as though uh, God is almost actualizing Para's worst nightmares. We have a similar kind of idea in the previous in the previous plague, which I didn't mention in the previous plague, but that is that uh, the description of the Tzvardaim is Visharatz Hayor Tzvardaim. 
the the uh, the Nile will begin to swarm with these frogs, and that word sharat also reminds us of Am Yisrael when they begin to swarm, and the tzfardaim, the frogs, were also described as ya'alu, they kept coming up, right? And of course, Para was afraid that Am Yisrael, the alu min ha'aret, they would sort of come up from the earth, and God brings up that frog against Paro, almost as though he's actualizing Paro's worst nightmare. In any case, going back to this plague of lice, Pasuk Yudalid, once again, we have these magicians, and the magicians also did this with their magical rites, with their spells. Uh, to bring out the lice, and they could not. And the lice was on the humans and on the animals. And there's a bit of an argument as to what it was that the uh, magicians tried to do but could not, uh, commonly, both Rashi and the Ibn Ezra suggest, and I think this is the common interpretation, they tried to create lice from dust, from this, this, this dirt, but they could not. In other words, this was a kind of a magic that they could not do, and therefore they proclaim, this is really God, the other possibility, which is mentioned by some of the other Mefarshim, by the Barbanel, Bechor Shor, Rav Shimshal Hirsch, also adopts this explanation, is Lehotziyatakinim, means they tried to remove the lice from the people, and that's what they could not do, and therefore the continuation of the Pasuk is, Vatihi hakinam ba'adam uvabeima, and the, the lice remained on the people, and in fact, once again, like with the frogs, the only thing that these magicians could do is to continue the plague because the plague is already set in motion. There is no actual magic that is happening here. They could bring on the plague in greater abundance, but they could not find relief for the plague, and therefore they fail. This is the moment that the magicians seem to fail. And el paro. And so the magicians say to paro, etzba Elohim he. This is the finger of God. And so Paro's heart, he hardens his heart, he strengthens his heart, and he does not listen to them, them presumably being Moshe and Aharon, as God had spoken. Now, I translated this, these words, etzba Elohim, in the way that Rashi translates it, and that is that there's a certain admission here on the part of the magicians that in fact God's strength has prevailed and it is stronger than theirs. And yet, uh, some here say, like the Rashbam, that in fact this is not an admission at all, but rather, it means something different. It means this is some sort of natural uh, plague, it's a natural cal calamity. That's what Rashbam says. And that is why, in fact, Paro hardens his heart and does not listen here. To, uh, to Moshe and to Aharon. In any case, we will never again see these chartumim, these magicians, trying to do the uh, plague on their own. Okay, let's look at this uh, fourth plague, starting in Pasuk Tetzayin in Perakhet, Vayomer Adonai el Moshe, Hashkim baboker v'hityatsev lifnei faro, hineyose hamayma, v'amarta elav, ko amar Adonai, shalach ami v'yavduni. And God said to Moshe, get up in the morning, 
and stand before Paro. Behold, he is going out to the water. And say to him, so says God, send my people so that they will serve me. Here, once again, we have in parallel to the first plague, in this fourth plague, which of course is the first plague of the second series, we have Moshe going out and standing before Paro as he goes out to the water, presumably the Nile, um, in order to once again issue God's command that he send out his people. For if you do not send my people, For if you do not send my people, I am going to send against you and against your servants and against your people. And in your houses, all of this reminds us of what we saw in Tzfardea, the Arov, this mixed multitude. And they will come into the houses of Paro, this mixed multitude, and also upon the land which they are upon it. So here we have the Adama, this land, this uh, uh, land is being emphasized here as opposed to the previous plagues, which, well, certainly the first two plagues which appear in the water, and then the next plague, which is the Afar Ha'aretz, here we have the Adama. The plagues seem to be moving upward, and God threatens that he is going to send into the houses the Arov. Commonly, we regard this mixed multitude as a mixture of wild animals, but we know that the Midrash uh, debates the question, is it a mixture of wild animals? Is it a mixture of wild birds? Is it, is it a mixture of flies and mosquitoes? Does it uh, refer to all sorts of snakes that come out of the ground? There's all sorts of possibilities. One of the reasons I think that we accept this mixture of wild animals is once again based on Tihilim Ayin Chet, where we're told that the Arov will come Vayochleim, and they will eat them. So what kind of mixed multitude eats us? Well, you know, lions and tigers and bears, right? Those kinds of wild animals that we often uh, that we often use to depict the arov, but the arov remains somewhat of an unclear um, of an unclear plague. We don't know what this mixed multitude is. In any case, this if we go on to the next pasuk, pasuk yuchet vihiflati vayomahu et eretz goshen asher ami omed aleha levilti heyot sham arov leman teda ki ani adonai bekerev haaretz, and I will separate on that day the land of Goshen, which my people are standing there, so that there should not be there a rove, this mixed multitude, so that you will know that I am God in the midst of the land. Everyone notes that this is the first time that we have this separation between the land of Goshen, between Am Yisrael and the Mitzrim. And in fact, that's emphasized in the next verse as well. And I will place a separation uh, some sort of savior between my people and your people tomorrow this sign will come about uh, now there's a bit of debate among the different exegetes as to whether or not the fact that it, it, in the first three plagues we do not mention this separation if that means that Am Yisrael was also affected by the first three plagues by blood and by the frogs and by the lice 
as the Ibn Ezra suggests, the Ibn Ezra says, well, those three plagues weren't particularly difficult plagues. And of course, in this fourth plague, things seem to get a bit serious. That's what the Ibn Ezra suggests. Uh, others, uh, certainly many of the Midrashim, uh, the Ramban, um, and others say, no, it, none of the plagues affected Am Yisrael. That makes no sense. Am Yisrael is not the one that's meant to be punished here. Uh, but in any case, I think that we do see that a major new element in this plague, a major new aspect of the plague, is that Paro is meant to see very clearly that there is a distinction between Am Yisrael and his people, that these plagues are not just natural, they're not just coming about upon everybody, but that God is going to make a very clear distinction in this plague between Eretz Goshen, the land where Am Yisrael live, and his own people. And of course here, this idea of Ami and Amecha, these are my people, those are your people, my people are not your people, is part of the point that we've been seeing all along. Let's look at the implementation of this plague in Pasuk Kaf. Vayas Adonai Ken, and God did this, Vayavo Arov Kaved, Beta Faro, Uvet Avadav, Uvechol Eretz Mitzrayim, Tishachet Haaretz Mipunei Haarov. And this very heavy uh, Arov comes into the house of Paro and in the house of his servants, and in all the land of Egypt, the land is destroyed because of the Arov. Vayikra Faro El Moshe, Ule Aron, and Parah at this point seems to give in, but he only gives in to some degree because he calls Moshe and Aaron and he says, go and worship your God in the land. Moshe says, it is not correct to do this. For we will worship to our God something that is disgusting to Mitzrayim. Will we really worship what is uh, what is repulsive to Mitzrayim in front of them, and they will not stone us? Without going into too many details here, it certainly seems that whatever it is that they are going to be using in their sacrifices to God is not part of the practice of the Egyptians. Perhaps it even involves some sort of violation of the Egyptians' deities. That's where many of the Midrashim seem to go with this idea. Let's go on. Pasuk Kav Gimel. Derech shloshet yamin nelech b'mibar, says Moshe. A three-day journey we will go in the desert. V'zavachnu l'adonai Eloheinu ka'asher yomar eleinu. And we will worship to God, our God, as he has said to us. Vayomer paro. Anochi ashalach etchem uzvachem ladonai lechem b'mibar rak harchek lo tarchiku ha'atiru ba'adi. Paro's response reflects both his desperation uh, that, that Moshe and Aaron take away this plague and also his desperate need to retain his own authority. And Paro said, I will send you, look at the emphasis on the word anochi, I will send you, and indeed you can worship to your God in the desert. But, he of course makes a stipulation here, do not go very far, just pray on my behalf. Look at Moshe's response. Moshe <laughs> 
I think you noted that both words that Paro used in the previous verse in order to show his own authority, both the word anochi, which emphasized his authority, and the word rock, in which he made a stipulation, both of those words are used by Moshe. Moshe accepts Paro's concession, but uses both the word anochi and rock in order to combat Paro's assertion that in fact he is still in charge. And Moshe said, uh, I will go from you and I will pray to God. I will turn to God. I will supplicate God. And the Arov will leave Paro and his servants and his people tomorrow. Just Paro should not continue to, to act deceitfully or to deceive and not to send the nation in order to sacrifice to God. And Moshe left Paro. And he supplicated God, he turned to God, and God did as Moshe had spoken, and he took the Arov away from Paro, from his servants and his people, not even one was left. And Paro hardened, he made his heart heavy, he hardened his heart, also this time, and he did not send the people. In our next class, we will conclude Parshat Va'era. We will begin with Peraktet Pasuk Aleph, which is Makat Dever. And then we will do Shrin and Barad. And with that, we will conclude Parshat Va'era.